Hello, welcome to the Lansing Area Church of Christ's weekly message podcast. If you'd like to learn more about LACC, please visit us online at lansingchurch.org. To finish off 2023, Josh Lutz preached a sermon titled, A New Life. All right, we're picking up where we left off with communion, and that's Romans 6, 4. We know the passage. It says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. This past week, we celebrated Christmas, which recognizes the most impactful birth of all time. And it's so important that we totally changed how we record history. Isn't that pretty cool? It's like history changed in more ways than one. We, 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 we said, you know what? That was so important. Let's call that zero. Let's just start over. When Jesus was born, everything changed. No leader uh, before or since has ever inspired mankind to a greater extent than that baby born in Bethlehem, who is our Lord. The life that he lived the death that he died and his resurrection, all of these things prove that he is the Son of God. And what's remarkable in all of these things is that this passage says that we get to participate in that amazing, world-changing event. It's awesome. It's awesome. And so as we turn away from sin and as we trust in Jesus' perfect life, death, and resurrection we'll be cleansed. He, he can make us holy. And so Paul here in Romans 6 says, we'll have a new life. But what does that mean? <laughs> what does it mean to have a new life? And what does it look like? Well, on this New Year's Eve, that's what I want to spend time doing. I'd like to share with you what the Bible says about living a new life in Christ. What does that look like? It's a good time to reevaluate as we go into a new year together. Like everything else that's uh, worth talking about, a new life is only possible because it first starts with God. If you're sitting here this morning and you have studied the Bible a little bit on your own, and uh, maybe with some friends or some family, and you got some help, you realized that human beings have one problem that's bigger than all the other problems. That problem is sin. I'm sure you've learned about uh, that in the Bible. You've lived a little bit of life, and that's become clear to you. And you've realized that your sin separates you from God. It's an issue. And so this is why Jesus, though, is so important. Uh, We're going to talk about a new life today. I'm one behind. We'll look at Isaiah 59. It says this, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So what this passage is saying is that the reason that we're separated from God, or we feel far from him, has never been because he can't save us, and it's never been because he doesn't want to listen to us, but that it's our sin that hides him from us. And so, as I'm sure you've learned in the past, this makes Jesus supremely important because he's the only one that can deal with sin and bring us back into a right relationship with God. He is the only one 
who can make you new. He's the only one that brings that renewal. And so as we walk through the sermon today, it, it is a little bit of a topical sermon, so we're, we're going to jump all over the Bible, but I want to show you some ideas that the Bible talks about as it's talking about what this new life in Christ looks like. Are we on board? Sound good? Okay, so the first one is this. To live a new life, first of all, means that you are viewed in a new way. And this is more than just a perception, but that you are, you are viewed in a new way by God himself. God has and always will love you. If you're, if you're unsure about that, um, and sometimes you struggle with that back and forth, I understand. I, I do as well. But God has always loved you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. And he wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. We read about that in 1 Timothy. But that doesn't mean that all people are saved. Jesus himself says that the road that leads to destruction is broad and that many people will enter through that. And so we should consider these words that Paul says to the Colossians here. He says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. This is great news for those of us who have trusted in Jesus and been baptized, repented of our sins. This is great news. At one time, before salvation, you were alienated from God because of your own evil behavior. So much so that the only fitting word to describe your relationship with God was that of an enemy. But after salvation... Things are totally different. He's reconciled you through Christ's death. And and here's the great news. Now you're viewed in a new way. You're viewed as holy in his sight. You don't have a single blemish. I don't know if you wake up in the morning and you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, ah, man, I got this zit or this thing or my teeth or my hair. God's like, you're perfect. No blemish. Excellent. Like 10 out of 10. That's how he sees you. And you're completely free from accusation. Not only are you no longer guilty of sin, but even to be accused of maybe being guilty. He says, nope, no accusation. You're free now. This is quite the role reversal to go from enemy to co-heir with Christ. And to live a new life means that you're viewed in this new way. That's an amazing thing. And so for us, uh, if you are a disciple, man, take great encouragement with that. And if you're not, hey, you know what? This is what God says about this, so let's get right with him. Let's do something about that, okay? Because he doesn't want you to stay there. He wants to view you in this new way. And like I've said, he always has loved you, but it's a matter of what what do you need to do to get into a right relationship with him? We have to do something as well. So to live a new life, Here's another one for you. It also means that you now have new values. When you start to live a new life, it means that your priorities 
have changed. They must. They must change. If you're a new creation, you have new values, new priorities. Let's look at Ephesians 2, and I'm going to read 1 through 5. And for all of these, I've just put a little little bit of the verse there, but you can read along with me for the whole passage because we get the full context that way. In verse 1, it says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. I love this. So as Paul's talking to the Ephesians, he's reminding them of where they came from. And he says, hey, look, you all used to live as followers of the ways of the world. You used to. That's who you used to be. You used to gratify the cravings of your flesh, including its desires and its thoughts. And naturally, we, like the Ephesians, have a tendency to do this as uh, to do this as well to kind of fall back into our old ways. He's reminding them, "Hey, no, no, no! Let's not go back to where you were. Let's not go back to where you came from. Let's move forward." You know, naturally, we all have this tendency to just conform to the expectations that we see around us. Uh, it, whether it's at work or you see something in, in TV or movies or social media, even with your family members, uh, you start to be impacted by their values and what's important to them. But to be new in Christ means that your values have changed. And we need to remind ourselves of what those changes are. You know, we can end up judging ourselves based on uh, these, these cravings of the flesh that fail to bring any lasting or freeing change in our lives because they're focused on gratifying self instead of on glorifying God. When we change our priorities uh, by seeing ourselves and others through the lens of God's mercy, like it's talking about here in Ephesians, then we start to see the, the real value that God has placed on our lives. And this is then evidenced through God's sacrifice of his son on the cross. When we're we're secure with this new identity, we're no longer controlled by the need to want to, uh, to, to give in to the values of the world. But we're secure in having God's values be our values, knowing that that's part of becoming and remaining a new creation. Amen? Okay. Uh, We also, to live a new life means it means that you're going to be a new version and i want to put some emphasis of you okay here's what i mean by this salvation can happen quickly it actually does happen quickly uh, there's actually a specific moment that the bible talks about when you can receive salvation and you have to be part of that transaction okay it's not just something that you're born and you just have it because god loves you no there's something you have to actually go about doing and we you you should talk about that if you're not like yep i know exactly how that happens you need to talk about that with somebody okay salvation can happen quickly however your personal changes in your habits and in your life take a long time 
because you take your old self with you. You're a new version of yourself. (laughs) You're taking you with you on this new journey in your new life. Even though God no longer views you as an enemy, you still have a little villain in you. You know what I'm saying? You've brought that with. You're absolutely a new creation and you shouldn't doubt that. And yet you've brought your old self along with you and you're going to need to deal with him or her over and over again. A couple years ago, uh, Michelle and I were at a, a big campus conference, you know, thousands of college students that are all there fired up for Jesus. A great time, right? Th- those things always are. And uh, these are usually the times when uh, uh, new mission teams launch or uh, a one-year challenge will launch or a new church gets planted, you know, things like that. And I remember at this particular conference, there was an exciting opportunity for young people to join a mission team. They were looking for people who had just recently graduated and even people who just wanted to transfer to this school so that they could get this church up and running. And I remember the brother up there uh, so, so fired up and he said something along the lines of, hey, you know, if you're struggling where you're at and you believe that what you really need is a new city, or a new church, or a new adventure to help you get out of the spiritual funk that you're in. I want to let you know plainly, God's not telling you to join this mission team. (laughs) So he like builds it up, builds it up, builds it up, builds it up. It's like, because you're going to bring that spiritual funk to the mission team. And you need to be strong where you're at. (laughs) You know, and so so a lot of people are like, oh, I'm getting excited. Like, that's the fix. No. That's not how things get fixed. That's not how that works. Okay? I, I appreciated the candor and the straightforwardness of that kind of message because so often people think that they can, you know, change some outside factor and that it's going to change all the internal problems that they have. And that's just a spiritual lie. Living a new life means that you accept the version of you that comes the, the new version of you that comes fully loaded with all the flaws of the previous model and being okay with that saying hey i'm gonna have to keep on working and maturing G- going from loss to save like i said it does not take very long but cultivating a new life full of new habits based on new knowledge that you continue acquiring for your whole life well by design it takes a long time it's going to take your whole life to keep doing that and so it's okay to be maturing Right now. Actually, that's the only way it works. As Paul's writing to the Ephesians, he's encouraging them to avoid something. Okay, And this is what this passage is talking about. He's, he's wanting them to avoid useless thinking and letting their hearts become hard. His advice is that, that they should adopt a way of life that is different from that by living in accordance with the truth which is Jesus. I'll read just these couple of verses. It it fits so perfectly with what we're talking about right here. It says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by evil desires. That's the old you trying to pull. Verse 23, To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul's reminding the Ephesians here that what they were taught when they first became disciples is still true now. He's reminding them that putting off the old self 
and adjusting the attitude of their minds will need to be an ongoing process. Likewise, this effort of putting on the new self, that's just going to need to happen again and again and again as they continue to mature in Christ. Okay, Uh, to live a new life means, yeah, you're going to accept this new version of you. It also means that you're going to and have made some new vows. Okay, what's a vow? A vow is like a covenantal promise. You know, a a vow is like a marriage vow, say, I do. And you say, I do, and I said, I do to Michelle 11 years ago, and and I don't know, I didn't know, like, what these 11 past years were going to be like. But the vow was, I'm going to stick with you. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to stick with it. It's this not quitting, no matter what happens, okay? Uh, first and foremost, uh, as if, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you've declared a similar uh, confession or a similar vow, and that's simply that Jesus is Lord, okay? Jesus is Lord. This new vow, then, should inform all of your viewpoints about everything all the time. That's how that goes now. We're, we're all on board with that? Okay, that's what that means. Jesus is Lord. It means it affects everything. Okay. So that means, and I'm going to get uncomfortable on purpose. You good? All right, here we go. We're digging in. We're starting off the new year in a good way. Here we go. That means your job doesn't take precedence over the family of believers. Because Jesus is Lord. It means that supporting your children's school or sporting events will not be as important as fostering their relationship with God. It means that your desires for a romantic relationship cannot disregard God's standards for purity. It means that your political sensibilities should take a far back seat to your burning desire to advance the gospel message to your neighbors and beyond. Jesus is Lord affects everything. And for your new life to be new, it means that your vow needs to be made new every morning as well. Ephesians 5, 8 through 11 says this, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. I would even say it like this. Find out what pleases your Lord. Find out. It doesn't mean you don't, you don't just know. You've got to go work for it. Find out what it would be like to say Jesus is Lord in each and every situation. Uh, verse 11, I'll read this as well, just to close that out. It says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Uh, your, your vow that Jesus is Lord means that you've got work to do. You've got to find out what pleases your Lord. Sometimes this is straightforward. And if this is the case, then do what this verse says and expose the deeds of darkness and say, nope, not doing that. I'm going to do this instead because Jesus is my Lord and we live as children of the light. Now, if it's difficult for you to figure out, well, what, is it, what does it mean for Jesus to be Lord as I'm trying to parent my young kids? Or what does it mean for Jesus to be Lord as I'm considering whether or not I should date him or her? You know, and you're trying to figure that stuff out. I think this next part uh, is also very helpful for us as we live our new life, okay? 
in order for you to live a new life, that means that you're going to be listening to some new voices. Here's what I mean by this. As you put off your old self, the process of renewal requires that you replace the practices of your old self with new practices. That means that your life should now be full of some new voices speaking some wisdom into your situation. So if you're trying to navigate life and you're just trying to use all your old buddies and all your old ways to inform your new life, that's not going to work. You need some new, vi- uh, some new voices in the situation. Now let's consider what Paul tells the Colossians here. We've got a lot of Paul uh, really helpful stuff here. Colossians 3, 9 through 11 says this. says, do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. You may not have read this passage like this before, but let me explain a little bit more when I'm, why I'm using this. What are some of the voices uh, that we should listen to if we're going to live a new life. Well, this passage breaks that down. The first thing that I see here is that truth is emphasized. He he starts off and says, do not lie to each other. (laughs) That's not helpful in your new life to lie to one another. Uh, It's not going to help you grow. It's not going to help them grow. The new self is one that should be speaking truth. And so do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self. This doesn't mean be harsh or whatever, but don't lie. (laughs) This is something that we need in our new life. I also see here that the renewal process is powered by knowledge related to being an image bearer of the creator. Isn't that cool? You see the theology just flowering here as we're looking at this? This means that in our new lives, we should be on the lookout for God's characteristics. It means that we should be doing our best to imitate God as his image bearers. This is the very core of who you are. And so as you live your new life, you're returning to what you were created to be. This is great. So we we listen to the voice of God in scripture and we, we, we try to hear what he's like and read about what he's like and we try to imitate his character and imitate people who are imitating his character. Amen. Then when we get to verse 11, There's something else that's really powerful going on here. In Christ, there is nothing on the outside that should divide us at all. We've all been made new. That's the very thing that unites us, that Christ made us all new. And so if Christ is all and he is in all, then it means that we can learn a lot about Christ from one another. And so we should then in our new life be willing to listen to the voices of those who are different from us on the outside for the express purpose of developing our new selves on the inside. Does that make sense? This is the body of Christ in beautiful display that we would be able to allow new voices that we would have never had in our life and invite them in to help us learn more about Christ. This is the way that the body is supposed to be. 
I hope you're um, not too overwhelmed and just grabbing onto one or two of these, but I wanted to give you a full view of what, what, is, what is newness in Christ? What does that mean? What can I practically try to focus on going into the next year? Just grab one or two of these things as we go into the next year. I've got a couple more. Good? Here we go. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. So when you are living a new life, that means that you've got a new vision and purpose for your life. Okay? I'm just going to read this passage right off the bat here. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. It says this. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Take a look at some of the ways that Peter describes your new life in Christ. You are chosen. You're part of a royal priesthood. That sounds pretty awesome. You're part of a holy nation. You're God's special possession. You're part of the people of God. And over all of those things, you've received mercy. And so what's, what's your new purpose then as someone who is living a new life and has received the mercy to engage in that kind of life. Well, we see it pretty clearly here that we are to declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness and into His wonderful life. Okay, declare His praises. Declare His praises. That's the lifestyle of someone who is living a new life in Christ, is that they declare His praises. And that can happen in a lot of different ways. I think that as a congregation, we should literally declare His praises, both in uh, private and in our corporate uh, worship times. Like, get, get, get used to declaring the praises of God, singing to Him. That's actually commanded. So we should do that together, right? You should do it by yourself as well. You also can and should declare his praises by sharing your story of being brought from darkness to light. Share it with your family, share it with your friends, your neighbors, with strangers that you meet. The, the light is a wonderful light, and so we should bring people into it. And of course, we should strive to live in that light more and more and more. Because without light, all vision is impaired. And so for your new vision to be accurate, uh, we've got to keep it in the light. Earlier in this chapter, uh, Peter says, rid yourself of all malice and deceit. And he goes through all these things that we need to continue to try to get rid of in our life uh, so that we can grow up in our salvation now that we've tasted that the Lord is good. Our new vision is one that we would declare the praises of the Lord and that we would bring other people into that glorious light. Okay, I've got a couple more. Here we go. Uh, as somebody with a new life, it also means that you've got a new vocation, okay? What's a vocation? It's not just your job. It's more than a job, okay? A, vo a vocation is this deep-seated feeling that you're especially suited to do a particular thing, uh, to fulfill a particular role in life especially one that involves like helping other people, okay? It's something like, I gotta do this. I can't not do this, 
All right? You may have had a, some kind of uh, passionate calling and vocation, uh, and, and then you went into that field, and that's good. I think God put that in you. You should have done that. That's great. But now, as a disciple, that all changes in a way. Your new passion has to be something a little bit different, or at least you use this other vocation that God gave you, and you steer it to be glorifying to God. Okay, that's, that's what we're talking about here. For disciples, I see a great description of our vocation here in Hebrews 10. And I'm going to read this passage. Let's, let's go. We got some Bible. Man, I'm excited. Verse 19. Check this out. This is a call to persevere in faith. That's the, that's the heading. A call to persevere in faith. That's your new vocation. I'm going to read it, but that sums it up nicely. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the faith we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So based on this passage, what is the vocation, the calling, the job, the responsibility of a person who's been made new? Well, primarily, it's to draw near to God with a sincere heart. Isn't that great? God says, what, what's your new job? Just be close to me. That's your job. As a new creation, just be close to me. That's the first part. With the full assurance that faith brings. We might be like, well, I, I don't feel like, uh, I'm not confident that that's going to happen. I'm not so sure. Well, that's the whole point. The passage says that the faith in Jesus brings full assurance. Faith in yourself and your own understanding and what you figured out on your own, that's only going to bring confusion. But when you draw near to him, he draws near to you. And in Christ, your heart is cleansed from any kind of guilty conscience that says that I shouldn't get near him or I don't want to be by him. The blood of Jesus then becomes enough for you. What would happen? Like, What would happen if every member of the Lansing Church just saw this, drawing near to God as the vocation for their life. What if we all were consumed by, man, I just want to draw near to God. It would change, every, man, it would change everything. If just draw near to God. I, I have a great feeling that we would be off to a, a wonderful start to 2024. That, that's, that's for sure. But the personal transformations would be amazing. And then so this, this next part, this uh, 24 and 25. You've drawn, you've drawn near, you know, near, near to God. And then the, now the natural expression of your nearness to God shows up in a very clear way in verse 24. And let us, and, and. So draw near to God, and. That's the next part. It goes together. And let us consider how we 
may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up, meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So you draw near to the Lord, and then you encourage one another's daily. Man, if, if, if we just did those two things, everything else takes care of itself. And as people living new lives, after drawing near to God, we're called to just help other people do the same thing and consider, how can I help that person do that? Spurring is not the most comfortable verb, uh, but I'm sure that the writer of Hebrews had a very good reason for doing it. It's, it's descriptive. It sounds like work. It sounds like a vocation. And so we need to be honest with ourselves. You know, some of us, we're absolutely in the habit of not meeting together. And so let's spur one another on to do something better. My advice is this. You know, it's, it's easy to just like point fingers at empty chairs or whatever. Like, I'm not interested in that. It's far better for us to just consider others above ourselves and to encourage one another daily. A little spurring might be required, but let's just try to create new habits together out of love, out of a place of trust and love. Okay, I've just got, I've got one more. Well, I got to share it. I got to share it. You got to let me share it. These are good. Man, man, this is good stuff. Okay, as a new creation, guess what? You've got new victories coming. You've already experienced some of them. But there's this compelling new passion in your life as a new creation, a compelling new passion that gets you excited about what God can do in your life. Because he's created newness in you, and now you can help others have newness as well. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 17, it shows the motivation for your new life. For Christ's love compels us. Because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. My hope and my prayer is that as a church, you know, we're excited about 2024. That we have personal and collective dreams about what God is doing in us and can do through us. But no matter how big or small that goal is, we've got to make sure that we're being motivated for the right reason. And if it's anything other than this, anything other than Christ's Love compelling you to do what you do, everything that we attempt will fall apart. In Christ, God sees us as a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. And so this description of the motivation that fuels us is so clear. It's it's crystal clear. We're compelled by Christ's love and we're convinced that he died for us and has his followers it only makes sense that we too must die to ourselves in order to live for Him. No longer do we live for ourselves because the old is gone and the new is here. We have peace with God. 
We're counted righteous before him. And rather than seeing our sin, God sees the righteousness of his own son. And he sees me and you as justified and redeemed, sanctified, even glorified to the right hand. As we close, I just want to return to this verse uh, that we read in the beginning. I'll read it one more time. And I want us to be sure that the old has gone and that the new is here. Once you were alienated from God, you were his enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, And do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. It's amazing that we've been reconciled by Jesus and presented to God as holy and blameless. The best news of all is that there is hope for us to live new lives if we continue in our faith. Do not move from this hope. Do not give up on the gospel because the old is gone and the new is gone is here. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Lansing Area Church of Christ. While we're happy to share this message via podcast, we'd love to pray and worship with you in person. To learn more about our services or to connect with us, please visit us at lansingchurch.org. Have a great week and go with God.